Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Uh, this is not the time that I wanted to be doing this episode, but uh, it's time to kind of wrap up the Ice Bears season. Obviously, Knoxville being swept in the first round of the President's Cup playoffs. Not the result that anybody in the organization was hoping for. And I can assure you that nobody is content with the way that things ended this season. But a, a lot of highs and lows throughout the course of the year and some things that this team and this coaching staff can potentially build upon next season then obviously you have to kind of find out what's going to happen over the course of the offseason. And in, in the SPHL, things are a little bit different with, um, you know, the year-to-year personnel changes because it, it's not a situation where guys are under long-term contract. Everything is, you know, standard player contract through a year-to-year basis. And so players can unexpectedly retire. Players can get other jobs and decide that they're not going to play hockey full-time anymore. Um, players can opt to go to a different team or a different league. And obviously there are talented players on this year's Ice Bear squad that are likely going to have tryouts in the ECHL next year. Guys may explore opportunities to go to Europe. And I will just go ahead and tell you right now, I I did not ask any players what their plans are for next season. Um, I typically try not to do that at the end of the year because I want to allow the players to kind of take the time to, you know, reflect on the season. Obviously, the guys are very disappointed about the playoff loss and don't really want to start asking them about their futures and things of that nature. And so I don't, and for the ones that do disclose that information, I choose not to disclose it here um, on the podcast just to respect the privacy of the players and of the coaches. But I, I think it's plainly obvious that this was a really talented team that just struggled in certain areas and those areas at times throughout the course of the season came back to really bite this team. I also think it was a very deep SPHL this season. Um, As I kind of mentioned on last week's podcast, Knoxville's point total this year would have, you know, given them a a top five seed and instead they ended up as the sixth seed this year. And in some cases it would have actually gotten them home ice advantage and talking about how Knoxville was two wins away from being the three seed and if that had been the case, you just you think about how different this could be, especially when you look at how some of these other first-round series played. Knoxville, with, with all the close games that they lost, if they pull out two of those games, they're the three seed, and they get to host Evansville in the first round, a team that they went 3-1 and one against over the course of the regular season. And that Evansville team ended up losing the goaltender of the year in Trevor Gorsuch um, right at the end of the season. He took a call-up, did not play in the playoffs for Evansville, And then Zane Steves gets injured during game two of their loss to Roanoke. And so Lucas Fitzpatrick has to come in and Roanoke's obviously able to play heavy. They're the more physical team. 
Um, Evansville just not as deep offensively. And and Tommy Pecorero, the voice of the Thunderbolts, had kind of been telling me when we went there on April 1st that you know it was it, Evansville was a team that was really struggling to find its offense and that continued into the postseason, unfortunately. And they were not the only team. It you know when you really look across the board, Knoxville obviously just three goals in two games. Pensacola struggled offensively in their first round series sweep against Peoria. Um, a much different first round this year too. Last year. You had two of the lower-seeded teams that pulled off upsets. Quad City is the five, Roanoke is the eight. But you also had three game threes. Huntsville sweeping Evansville last year in the 2-7 matchup was the only first-round sweep. This year, you had three sweeps, and you had one team that managed to extend their series to three games. That was Fayetteville getting to play game one at home on Thursday and played a great game, held it off in overtime. Carson Vance got the game-winning goal, and then they had to go to Birmingham for games two and three, a couple of really tight games that Birmingham was just able to to pull those games out. So um, you had one really competitive series, and then you had two others where you had you had at least one game that was relatively close in each one. But and, and those two Peoria Pensacola games, I, I would say, were pretty close. But P- Pensacola just no offense. Evansville no offense. Knoxville really struggled offensively. So. I think when you kind of look at it, it was just a very different first round this year. But my point being, Knoxville was, you know, two really fortunate breaks away from maybe talking about moving on to the second round right here. You don't want to make any assumptions in the playoffs, but if, if Evansville had continued to struggle offensively and Knoxville playing against a team that it felt very comfortable playing against and matched up well against, you know, that's just how close a season like this can be. And it, it doesn't... You know, it doesn't mean that fans should be pleased about the result. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be upset about it because I, I, the players are upset about it. The players are sad. The players wish that they were still playing right now. The coaches wish that the team was still in the postseason right now. Um, I think that for anybody, it's, you know, the entire organization. We met as a staff on Monday morning. The front office staff did. Everybody's upset. You know, nobody nobody likes losing in the playoffs when you invest all season working for this team, whether you're a player, a coach, hockey ops staffer, sales staffer, uh, broadcaster, or or you're in the front office. It's, you know, it's never fun to see the season end this early. And we know that the fans, you all are are upset about it too. But it's, uh, you know, it's the way that it goes sometimes, but it also goes to show how deep that this field was. Because when you look at Brent Clark's win totals this year, the 32 wins and the 67 points are both more than what Jeff Carr had in his first season. Well, that Jeff Carr team finished as a five seed. And, you know, the playoff seedings worked a little bit differently because that was a challenge round that year. But Pensacola was the higher seeded team that challenged Knoxville, and Knoxville swept Pensacola, went on to the second round, then lost to Peoria. But, you know, it can kind of go to show how different a season can be. And obviously, it's, you know, it's a little different because Vermilion County folded in the middle of the season. And so, you know, they weren't winning a whole lot of games anyway. And so the teams that got to play Vermilion County a bunch. Obviously, they get a boost from being able to, you know, feed off of a, a really weak team that just kind of struggled throughout the course of its year and a half existence. But I, I think you also look at it as, hey, Roanoke was that was going to be a really tough four seed. I mean, if Knoxville had beaten Roanoke at the end of the regular season and had clinched home ice advantage and were hosting the Rail Yard Dogs, that was not going to be any easier of a series, even with home ice advantage than having to play against Huntsville in their practice rank. And Evansville, you know, obviously they, they get the break of losing Trevor Gorsuch and maybe a different matchup bodes better for them. But 
it it also goes to show that you know all their all their games against Knoxville that they lost this season were all very close, and the game they won against Knoxville was a one goal game. So, you know, all of those all those teams, all those potential first round matchups, there was a lot of different things that could have played out. Um, it might have made a difference in who the four semifinal teams are. It might not have. So, I I just think that it's important to point out that. This was a a very interesting season. I think overall, from a competitive standpoint, it was a good season for the SPH. Yeah, I know there were other things that happened. I'm sure the league's not happy about it. It seemed like officiating was more of a point of conversation, not just in Knoxville, but across the league than it really ever has been. And, you know, I would, I would agree. I felt like watching games this season, it felt like officiating, un- unfortunately, may or may not have decided the outcome of games, whether intentionally or unintentionally, more than it typically has in the past. And I'm not, I'm not saying that just from a Knoxville standpoint. I know that there have been at least two other coaches not in Knoxville that have been outspoken about the officiating. And, you know, that that stems from both playoff teams and non-playoff teams. And I've heard other coaches talk about it on the air on their t- respective teams' broadcast this year. And so I don't want to get into too much detail about it. But this was, I think, a league-wide thing, or at least, mo- you know, just around the league where there were coaches, players, fans that were not happy with the officiating this year. And fans are always going to, you know, players, everybody's going to complain about officiating to a degree. It just felt like it was much more so of a of a hot topic this season. Obviously, a franchise folding in the middle of the year, the league's not happy about that. So, you know, I think the league was hoping that maybe if, if Vermillion County had stuck around, then maybe there could be more expansion. I don't know of any rumors about expansion or anything like that, but I, I think the league was hoping that eventually it could get to 12 teams, so it's a nice even number. Feels like the league's getting bigger, because the league's never had more than 11 teams in a single season. So, I, I think the league was hoping that it could get to 12 teams, it can maybe do divisions of some sort, where the scheduling could be a little bit more even, and a little bit more structured instead of you've got one big league, a division of teams, and you've got, you know, some teams that play every other team. You've got a couple of teams that never play each other, like Evansville and Roanoke during the regular season. You have some teams that, okay, you're going to play this team 17 times. You're going to play this team twice. It, it you know, it, and it's just the league is trying to do it from a geographical standpoint. So I understand that. But I think the league was hoping that. You know, it wasn't going to lose a franchise this season. And not only did it lose a franchise, it lost a franchise in the middle of the regular season, which was logistically, that's a nightmare for Doug Price to have to deal with as the league commissioner to then have to reschedule everything. And I know how Knoxville fans feel about that with all of the Roanoke additions and how, honestly, I think that, I I think everybody was just fatigued of that rivalry by the end of it. And, And so for, you know, for me, it wasn't even so much like a matter of, Knoxville should avoid Roanoke because it's a tough matchup. I mean, Knoxville won six out of 14. It's not like that that wasn't a one-sided series by any means. I mean, Roanoke won the regular season series eight to six and Knoxville nearly made it seven to seven at the end of the regular season. So, but you know, let's not look at it as this was a a completely one-sided series. I think it felt like it because of how, you know, exhausting that whole series just got with all the different things that happened between those two teams throughout the course of the year. But it was a competitive series. A lot of those Roanoke wins were one-goal games. Um, you know, Knoxville won a game in overtime. Knoxville won a game seven to five in a, a wild one there towards the uh, the end of the regular season. So it, it you know, I, I, but I think a lot of people were just sick and tired of seeing the same teams, which is why I thought Knoxville really had a shot against Huntsville because it was an opportunity to see a team that it hadn't seen in two months. It was an opportunity to, you know 
have an opportunity to kind of work out the kinks in your your system where I thought when Knoxville defeated Huntsville at the end of January, I thought it went to show, hey, it was, you know, they shut down the slot, really frustrated Huntsville. And no, Knoxville frustrated Huntsville in game two of that playoff series. And Knoxville got a, you know, a couple of bad bounces. It looked like it had Huntsville contained on the far side half wall in the zone. And Rob Dara was able to slip the puck to Austin Martinson. He got off a one-timer and was able to tie the game. And then just a, a really unfortunate faceoff win where you win the faceoff in the Huntsville zone. And then suddenly it's a two-on-one the other way. And Robbie Fisher's able to put the puck past Christian Stead. And that was all she wrote. And Knoxville had its chances on the power play. Knoxville had some bad breaks in that game. But you know, ultimately, Huntsville did a good job at blocking shots, made it really difficult for Max Molossic to have to really do much of anything. And... You know, it's a credit to their team and how hard they worked. And I think Knoxville really made it a battle in game two and you know, unfortunately just fell short. And sometimes teams just fall short. You know, half the playoff field had their season end this past weekend. And not every team can win it every year. So I, I think for you know, Brent Clark in his first season, led the league in goals, um, actually scored more goals overall this season than the first place team uh that Knoxville did last year. And I think it's important to kind of show that hey, there's an offensive system here that works. I thought there was some great talent that came in uh, for this team this season. And you know, you had you had three all-SPHL selections. You had two on the first team, one on the second team. You likely have the league MVP on your team. Um, you know, a lot of individual accolades to celebrate. And you know, potentially you were a couple wins away from maybe getting to have home ice advantage. And um, you know, maybe that would have been a, a big difference maker in that first round series. And I thought Knoxville fans did a great job at showing up and showing out on that Friday playoff game. And, you know, the atmosphere was great, especially when Tanner and Wax, you know, scored those back-to-back goals. I, I thought, you know, the season really might extend. I thought it was going to keep going. I thought we were going to be playing a game on Sunday night, but it's, uh, you know, sometimes you just get the bad breaks and that's the way it is. Um, and now Knoxville gets to look ahead to next season. They'll be organizing their protected list and, figuring that out, you know, during the course of the early stages of the off season and players will have to make their own decisions about what they want to do and, you know, what's best for them. And so it's just, you know, it, it usually happens every season, regardless of how successful or unsuccessful your season is, it's hard to keep a core together. So, you know, Brent Clark, I think a lot of lessons learned through this first season and, you know, we'll see what, what ends up happening next year. But I, I think it's just important to point out, you know, yeah, where, where, Obviously, the losses feel different. Uh, just a couple of numbers here. Knoxville, unfortunately, led the league in losses when leading after two periods. Um, you know, They had six of those games where they carried a lead into the third period and ended up losing the game. I would also say Knoxville led the league in wins when trailing after two periods. So some good things to take away from there. Um, you know, Knoxville did not outshoot its opponent very much. Um, only went 10-5-1 and one this season when out shooting its opponent during the regular season. So 16 games, that means the other uh, 39 were, um, you know, were, were games where they were outshot by the opponent. Um, I, I think the biggest difference was one goal games. You know, Knoxville was not getting blown out a whole lot this season. They only lost um, nine games this season by, you know, more than two goals. They lost five games that were by two goals, but there were... 11 games this season where Knoxville lost one goal games. And so I think when you look at it like that, it kind of goes to show how, how close it can be for a team to 
kind of see how everything matches up and how everything stacks up. So Knoxville was in a lot of games this year, and it, it's just it's a game of inches. And so you know Knoxville in those one goal games, that's where it really bit Knoxville the most. So I don't want to look at this season as oh well they were the sixth seed, they weren't that very good of a team. Um, you know, it seemed like they weren't in a lot of games. Knoxville was in a lot of games, a lot of very close games with a, with a team full of a lot of rookies. It was a very young team too. And so, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of call-ups that Knoxville had to try to overcompensate for. And I just think that's worth pointing out that, Hey, this was a team that was in it. You, you had a lot of games this season where you were able to look at your squad in the third period and think, Oh, we, we can't really leave right now. Cause this game could go either way. Um, and you know, Knoxville had, you know, they, they had their lumps this season, but I also think it was a team that showed that it had a lot of potential. It's just unfortunate we didn't get to see that beyond the first round of the postseason this year. With that being said, it was a, a record-setting year for attendance, so thank you again to all the fans who listened to the broadcast when we were on the road, who showed up at the Coliseum when we were at home. Um, you know, Overall, it was a really good home season. Uh, 18 wins out of 28 regular season games at home. Uh, that was really cool. Um, it was a, you know, It was a fun season at home. Uh, at one point, we had an eight-game home win streak. We had some great promotions, great attendance, record-setting attendance that we've never had before. Um, and just want to thank the fans again for making this season what it was. So we will you know, continue to see how the off-season plays out. Of course, follow us on social media for updates regarding team news and things of that nature. I really appreciate you all listening to the podcast this season. It's been a blast being able to share the information with you, and I appreciate you listening in on the broadcast, whether doing so on Hockey TV, WKCE, or the Knoxville Ice Bears Game Day app. I really hope that you all continue to listen in the future. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you again for an awesome season. It's been a blast. This has been the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Be sure to download, like, and subscribe on Apple, Google, and Spotify.